there's a rumor going around today that Disney's thinking about buying Sony just to own the Spider-Man rights. Literally no way that could legally ever happen. Why? If the Fox thing almost didn't go through because of like, you know, trust busting laws, uh, then I realize out Sony. But it did go through. Good point. <laughs> but Sony as a company doesn't have like a lot of IPs to like. Would it be possible with it? I mean, it'd be buying Sony Pictures, right? Oh yeah, maybe. Because I'm just thinking, I, I don't know if that would be the deal or not, but. Why not just buy back the rights to the Spider-Man? Yeah. You know what I mean? Might be cheaper just to buy Sony. And then cancel Morbius. What is that? And Venom. All this stupid Oh, the, Sony that's the vampire thing. Jared Leto. So there's been a lot of funny things being said by Michael Keaton talking about how he doesn't understand the multiverse, <laughs> both in the Flash movie and in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what are we here to talk about today? Who's Gabe? Yeah. Hey, Steven. Hey, we have someone with us today that's not always here, but has been here in the past. We do. Who is it? It's friend of the show, Bryce hey. Reed. <laughs> Hi, Bryce. Morning. Good to be here. It's morning somewhere. We are here because something really great just happened to the Star Wars universe. A wonderful animated edition uh, that I did not expect to be wonderful. You didn't expect it to be wonderful? <laughs> Called The Bad Batch. The Bad Batch. The Bad Batch. Bryce, thanks for being here today. What yeah, what's the, up? What is The Bad Batch? Oh my God. Uh, and how is The Bad Batch? When is The Bad Batch? Let me just collect my thoughts for a second. <laughs> um, so The Bad Batch is a 3D animated Star Wars TV show on Disney+. Plus. It's kind of a continuation of the Clone Wars series that ran for a few years on Cartoon Network. And I just finished it up on Disney+. Plus. Timeline-wise in the Star Wars universe, it is uh, right at the beginning of the Order 66, which takes place during Revenge of the Sith episode three and takes us i'd assume a few months after that as well so between three and four that's the timeline the dark times as they're called yeah and it is almost like a season eight of clone wars which is so nuts yeah it kind of is and it follows this uh group of clones who did not execute order 66 (laughs) um they're all kind of uh defective in a way um or enhanced in different ways, so they aren't like the the regular clones, the rigs, as they call them. So rigs, the rigs, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the bad match. <laughs> yeah, they were introduced in season seven of the Clone Wars, which happened years after the Clone Wars actually ended because of Disney Plus and the fact that they needed more Star Wars content. They greenlit Dave Filoni, who was then in charge of the Clone Wars, to make a season seven, close the chapter on the Clone Wars because it was never really closed Well, yeah, before. so ba- backtracking a little bit, the Clone Wars show was on Cartoon Network from like 2009 to 2014, I think. And then in 2014, that's when Disney bought Lucasfilm and thus canceled the show. So people have been out crying for, you know, finish the Clone Wars for several years. So then in 2020... Released the Clone Wars They cut. released the <laughs> Clone Wars cut, <laughs> the, the seventh season of the show. Was Dave Filoni always in charge of the Clone Wars series? Yep, from the inception. In collaboration with George. Yeah, he wasn't like executive He essentially producer, was but... like the creative behind it. Yeah. But he was always passing everything through George. So George had a huge hand in this pre-buyout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Filoni learned a lot of how to do Star Wars from working with George, like, directly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're talking about George Clooney. Yeah. (laughs) It's actually George R. R. Martin. (laughs) Finish your book, George. I was thinking George Tolkien, but... Bernard Shaw. 
George what? Tolkien? George R.R. R. Tolkien. Oh, yeah. J-O-R-G. Ah, I see what you did there. <laughs> George. Yeah, so honestly, this was a podcast I didn't think we would be doing before Bad Batch aired because I was like, uh, I'm not really interested in those characters. I wasn't really interested in them in season seven when they were introduced. So why would I watch a show about them? But this show became something that, and I'm going to try to quote my friend Tim on this one. Timmy. Tim. Uh, that it's one of the best self-contained put to screen, you know, live action or animated Star Wars stories since the original trilogy, potentially. Yeah. yeah. Like up there, in my opinion, this is not what Tim said, but with Mandalorian, it was so good start to finish, even the filler episodes. Yeah. It's only 16 episodes. By the way, this is only a season one because they did announce they're going to do a season two, mm-hmm. if not more. So in the Star Wars timeline, the Republic has fallen mm-hmm. and the Empire under in its infancy palpatine yeah is just beginning so we're seeing the empire essentially take over the galaxy in this show Mm -hmm. and this is kind of the show that is the device to see that happen yeah and uh, so we're seeing this like shifting like government and this shifting like political atmosphere but we're seeing it through the eyes of people who have been soldiers mm -hmm. their entire lives literally bred to be soldiers or clones Mm -hmm. and so because all of the other clones didn't have a choice during Order 66. And for background, they, they all have like a chip in their head. And as soon as Palps says execute Order 66, they all turn bad, basically. That didn't happen with the Bad Batch. So they're basically just trying to find out you know, their purpose now after having lived their whole lives bred to fight for a republic that no longer exists. Well said. There's tension between the group, the Bad Batch as well. So one of the members, this is sort of the, the key conflict of the show, one of the members of the Bad Batch, Crosshair. Crosshair. He, um, his chip actually does kind of go off to an extent. And the Empire exploits that and basically turns him into a weapon to hunt down the Bad Batch. So that's kind of the overall themes of what we're dealing with, like, in-universe. Mm-hmm. To speak a little bit more about the self-contained story, like they introduce these characters and make you care about them immediately uh, through storytelling and good writing Mm -hmm. and good character development. Like I said, I didn't think I would care about them because I didn't in season seven of Clone Wars. Yeah, definitely not. (laughs) That like, I was like, ah, show about the Bad Batch. But then, you know, immediately you kind of proverbially fall in love with each individual. Yeah. And there's a new character introduced. So, I mean, we should just briefly mention the characters, I guess. There's originally five members. Let me see if I can get this right. Hunter. You got to do everyone in their respective voice. I can't. (laughs) Hunter. Tech. Tech. Wrecker. Wrecker! Wrecker! Echo, who joined the team in season seven. And then Crosshair. Crosshair. And then there's this new character who gets thrown in, and she ends up being this very interesting character in the show. Her name is Omega. Omega. (laughs) My My name is Omega. She has a aggressively New Zealand or Australian accent. Yeah, it's, I don't know. In fact, it is actually distractingly present. Like, (laughs) in fact, if they could have taken the accent down by like 25%, it might have have made the show better. Uh, You think about it, kind of adds to the charm. It does. She's like, she's the heart and soul of the squad. Sure. Yeah. When she's first introduced, I thought, 
oh no, a really annoying accent and a character that I might be just annoyed with the whole time because yeah. she's like a kid. Yeah. But she ends up being the heart of the show and a good character. Mm-hmm. Even though she does cause a lot of the problems for the Bad Batch, yeah. particularly in the first half of the season, then she's sort of, they kind of teach her how to hold her own and, you know, she starts to kind of uh, become a little bit more scrappy. 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 And she gets her own weapon and she learns how to become a child soldier yeah um so (laughs) her place in the squad is that she was also sort of like a enhanced clone in a way we don't really know if she has any like genetic you know capabilities above other clones but she's also a clone created in the same place as the rest of the bad batch so they kind of have that connection but her place in the series is that she's sort of like a baby Yoda to the squad as the Mandalorian, where they kind of have this like reluctance to take care of a child, at least in the first half of the season. And they learn to appreciate like what she can not only can do for them, her abilities, her prowess, but yeah. also her the spirit that she brings. spirit that she brings. Exactly. And, and gives them a sense of like basically fatherhood that they've never would have experienced otherwise. Sure. Yeah, and she calls them her brothers, essentially, yeah. Yeah. because they're all come from the same person. But she, I thought that they said that she was a genetically unaltered clone, yes, like mm-hmm. like she was okay, they did say that, a yeah. direct clone just like Boba was. Yeah. So she's essentially a female Boba Fett. Yeah. Um, she is, might have increased cognitive function, though. I don't know. She's shown to be precocious at several points throughout the series. But I think that's just to show how badass Boba Fett is. And Jango oh. Fett was, and why they chose him oh. at, to be the person that they yeah. cloned from. That makes sense. Um, that she's just a more intelligent. She really has human? just. Are they yeah. humans? I guess so. She really just has a kind of all the best abilities of everybody else in the squad. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. As good as a person can, a normal person can have those things. Yeah. They revealed essentially in the season, and I think one thing that really made this season so cool that Omega's character is the Omega to the alpha character that is Boba Fett. In episode two of Star Wars, it's shown that Boba Fett was an unaltered clone of Jango because he wanted one essentially to teach him and raise him as a son. Yeah. Yeah. And then essentially this character Omega is almost the daughter that I guess got left behind or something. Yeah, not necessarily somebody that Jango wanted as a daughter, but the Kaminoans, the cloners, they kind of experimented in creating her. Do you think they did that in secret? Yes. Because she would still be younger than Boba, right? She'd be the same exact age I as think Boba. The oh, same really? Age, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. How old would you say Omega is in this? Because she's also older than Boba well, in episode two. Yeah. I mean, I thought he was about like nine or 10. And this is three years later because the Clone Wars took three years, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's probably like yeah, 13, 13, 13, 14. 14? Yeah. yeah. So when they talk about her being older than the Bad Patch, and having witnessed them. I think it takes seven years to make a mature clone. Is that right? I think so. So she's like almost double their age, I, I'm assuming. I'm totally guesstimating here, but yeah, yeah, looking really at how either. it works. Okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. So where is Omega now? Where is she where now? Where is she now? It's a very good question. I think there's one episode that like sort of gets you thinking about that, where th- this this show has a lot of cameos and a lot of... Yes, a lot of coming back characters. Um, one <laughs> of them is uh, is Fennec Shand, the bounty hunter from The Mandalorian, who's helping out Boba Fett, and she's kind of helping out Omega in a way, in a very roundabout way. <laughs> but uh, just in her like caring about Omega, you kind of get a sense of why she cared about Boba Fett in later in The Mandalorian. 
because mm. she likely knows the connection between her and Boba Fett. So that was that was just cool to think about. But I, I really don't know where she would be at this point. Yeah, I mean, we talked about Dave Filoni. For more on him, you can go back and listen to our Rise of Skywalker or any of our Mandalorian episodes where Bryce is also featured. But, you know, he's creating characters now. I mean, he has been, but people worship him almost like the god of Star Wars these days. So much so that they're calling it the Filoni-verse. He's almost making this small, tiny universe within the Star Wars universe because things are just coming from his brain. So I think Omega is one of his brain children and that he may have plans for her to maybe to show up in the book of Boba Fett, which would be rad. The book of Boba? That'd be just super cool. Super like, cool. hey, you have a sister and she's just as badass. But like, she maybe has a little bit more heart than you. Yeah, it'd be dope. So, this show, The Bad Batch, what do you think? <laughs> what do you think? Gabe, I haven't heard anything from you. Gabe literally just finished this <laughs> He finished this 20 minutes ago. So about, Yeah, about yeah. a half hour ago. Um, so, yeah, Gabe, what, uh, what were your thoughts like going into it? Did you have any expectations? And then, like, now it's all said and done, what'd you think? I haven't finished Clone Wars and Rebels, as is well documented here, but I didn't have really any concern that Filoni wouldn't be able to pull off another show after what he's done in the last couple years. So... And pretty much right off the bat, like they start the show with a banger, hour and a half, basically a small movie of the Bad Batch's fallout with the rest of the clone army in the wake of Order 66. Mm-hmm. So, that's, still, that's still probably my favorite of the series. Yeah. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed the whole ride. Even the episodes that were arguably more filler for the rest of the show, the, the bar is still so high, even comparing to maybe some of the slower episodes of Mandalorian, you know? Yeah, I would say there's a higher average. Yeah. Of good episodes. So it was just a thoroughly enjoyable viewing experience. Maybe another thing factoring into that would be the fact that I binged it. Since most of the episodes are only about 25 minutes in length, it's Mm -hmm. very watchable. Yeah, and I love the characters. The animation has just gotten so beautiful over the last 10 years. Disney's perfect, not Disney. Well, I guess it is Disney, yeah. Disney has perfected this 3D animation style. What is it called, though? ILM. Or Lucasfilm animation, I think. Whatever it is, it's it's gorgeous. And especially Kamino. That was always my favorite planet in oh, the yeah, Star Wars universe. And it is just, it is gorgeous. Yeah. From, yeah. Like, the characters are, are cool, but the vistas and the worlds they create, the it, scenic byways yeah. in this it, show. It feels <laughs> treasures, yeah. very Star Wars. It really does. And there's something to be said about the uniqueness of the animation style that growing up as a huge Star Wars fan, I was always really put off by the Clone Wars animation, so I didn't watch the show until, like, college. Yeah. Same. After it aired. Yeah. <laughs> and, which is such a bummer, because it's such an amazing series, but mm-hmm. um, the animation slowly got a little bit less, like, uncanny, I think, and it kind of found its stride and you know, about halfway through the Clone Wars show, but but here it's just it's just breathtaking. And there's something to be said about how unique the animation is because I recently I watched like Raya and the Last Dragon, mm. um, awesome movie. But there is something weird about 3D animation that looks that good. A- at a certain point, to me, I think I would rather just have them shoot backgrounds and and put animated characters in there, or just make the characters look make the lighting at least look less lifelike because it it is. 
it's a little weird for me. I mean, there's, you know, the concept of the uncanny valley with um, animated, like, humanoid characters. Like, the less lifelike they are, the more comfortable we are with them until they get to a point of photorealism, you know? Which is great for Star Wars because there's so many alien features in this Mm -hmm, universe. mm -hmm. And so I think you you are just kind of removed from, you know, reality with this show. And and I never have that feeling of, like, uncanniness. And so, and it's just beautiful. Yeah, totally. Particularly in this show, there was a couple episodes that really surprised me because like we were saying, you're, you're watching the Empire take over planets that you may have seen or heard about that more nerdier Star Wars fans like myself cared about, like Ryloth. Like there's a mm-hmm. two episode arc about the Empire taking over Ryloth, which is where the Twi'leks come from. Google Twi'lek if you don't know what it is. But Family filter off. I yeah. would <laughs> keep the family filter on. <laughs> <laughs> But is Ryloth the one where it had like almost like fall leaves or was that a different planet? Oh, that was Raxus. That was a separatist uh, capital. Yeah, that was beautiful too. Absolutely. I was like, oh wow, this this is like fall season, like the season of fall planet. Like it was so crazy. Autumn. Yeah, (laughs) because you know, every planet has like a thing. Honestly, not not what I expected the separatist homeworld to look like. I know. Yeah. And then the season ending with essentially the fall of Camino. Mm Mm-hmm was something I didn't know that I wanted that I loved so much. Yes, it's a great button on the concept of the clones, too. And Do you remember when we were, like, talking about the Mandalorian, the fact that we thought he might end up on Kamino at one point? Yeah. And that's, like, 26 years later in the timeline. Nope. (laughs) No, we ain't. This is why it could never happen, because Kamino was essentially destroyed because the Empire wiped the evidence in the season finale of The Bad Batch. Yeah. But it was so cool, because Kamino was one of my favorite parts of episode two, and to see it again kind of featured heavily in this show was really cool. And they used some of the Kamino score from episode two in the finale. It was so cool although that like that yeah beautiful that's one of my favorite prequel tracks yeah yeah yeah. and how they ended it with the camino one that they kept alive nalase the woman scientist nalase yeah so the fact that they kept her alive it really implies that they might lean heavily you know as they sort of already have into cloning in the future of star wars Mm -hmm. we know where that ends up I mean, you do yeah. you do with like Palpatine, right? Like yeah, we're, and we're I do to... appreciate as much as I don't like that part of Rise of Skywalker, I do appreciate the connection a bit. Yeah, they, they did that in Mandalorian too, right? Oh, that's right. They started. They really hinted. They yeah. hinted that they didn't really. We we were it kind was, of speculating it that was the Death a... Troopers were the whatever the big yeah, robot troopers. I think it was in episode three or four of season two where yeah, it four. was it was the one directed by. Uh, Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers, yeah. exactly. Where they infiltrate that base and they yeah. find out it's like a cloning yeah. space. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it's because that was in the last year, but when we saw the cloning stuff at the end of Bad Batch, that was the first thing I thought of was that inevitably, maybe Filoni, regardless of how he feels about the sequel trilogy, is planting seeds because he's like, this is part of the world now, mm-hmm. whether or not I like it or people like it, we can still build from that point, even retroactively and still tell a story there. I do wonder, this is like my main uh, wondering uh, about what's happening with the clones, is if that'll ever go anywhere else apart from cloning Palpatine. Like, I wonder if they'll ever clone any other characters or if, if anything else will, like, happen to where... I think it will. Yeah. Like, yeah. like because I know Filoni has sort of a tendency of, like, pulling back a lot of the stuff that they decanonize when Disney yeah. bought Star yeah. Wars. 
and people like love him for that. But there was so much interesting cloning stuff that happened from my understanding in the extended expanded universe extended universe legacy canon yeah yeah the legacy canon but the star wars extended universe that they you know they had written books and books and books about that a lot of star wars fans loved that they kind of erased and filoni has been pulling elements of that back sort of into the disney star wars canon Mm -hmm. and i wonder if cloning will play into that anyway because i know that they like they cloned (laughs) dave cloning (laughs) <laughs> I know that they cloned Felonius uh, Dave. Didn't they clone Luke Skywalker? That's yeah, in, sure in Legends, I think they did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I never saw read the story, but, but we'll we'll for sure I think see Nala say again because yeah, they really gave her a big send off season two next year. Yeah, for sure. Because a lot of people say this show is just kind of an extension of the Clone Wars. Do you think yeah that was to its detriment, or do you think that was ultimately a good thing that is kind of just a season eight? I think that they needed that kind of springboard to jump off of. Otherwise, it would have been like, why does this show matter at all? You know, how is it connected? So the fact that it is connected, I think, made it so that fans could connect easier. Yeah. That's the only real benefit. For sure. And there was plenty of opportunities for that. Plenty. They could have easily just jumped five years into the empire but they started right at the beginning. Yeah, I think there's pros and cons. Like, so much this show was like built on what the Clone Wars is. Like even, I mean, a few of the episodes, the assets they used were recycled from the unfinished Clone Wars episodes that they had made, Luke's animation had made for the Cartoon Network show, mm-hmm. you know, back in 2014. The the one example is that the city on Pantora, but there was like a chase yeah. um, with Omega and Fennec. That whole sequence was, you can speculate, taken directly from a sequence that was going to be in uh, the Dark Disciple um, oh. storyline, yeah, with Asajj Ventress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because mm. um, that took place on that same planet, and there was a book written about it. Um, so mm. very similar sequence going on there. But, but yeah, so so much of the show is just literally built on what the Clone Wars was or could have been. And I feel like we haven't really gotten a sense of what this show's true spirit I, yeah, is. Or like the motive. Or motive, yeah, and I think we'll get that in season two, and I'm fine with that. Again, it's kind of like the Force Awakens thing; like you kind of had to remake yeah. Episode Four to, yeah. to bring back Star Wars, sure. and and that's why it works because every is kind of universally appreciated in some way, you know. And I think that's kind of what Bad Batch had to do here, and um, yeah, also a way to get the new people who are seeing Bad Batch as their intro into Star Wars animation to go back and watch the Clone Wars or something. But I think, like we were saying, the destruction of Kamino is kind of the perfect button to bridge the gap between Clone Wars and what this show will be. I I see this as like Bad Batch season 0.5 and Clone Wars season 7.5, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Or or really, like, this is part two to what the Clone Wars was, part one, you know? Um, But... Yeah. It would be yeah. interesting for them to do a time jump for season two. Yeah, I wonder if it would. So that Omega could be a little bit older. Yeah. But they pulled a lot of elements from Rebels in this show as yeah. well. Because, they did. A lot of characters. Yeah. yeah. Rebels was another one of Filoni's brain children that took place about five to four years before episode four. Uh, yeah. So, so same kind of general time period. Yeah. Rebels and... Clone Wars can kind of go hand in hand, and I would definitely recommend checking out Rebels and Clone Wars if you haven't, particularly the latter seasons, because they're much better. 
in my opinion. Gooder. A gooder. Rebels is really good. It's a better batch. Gabe? Yes. I love Sid. He's a great character. Played by Rhea Perlman. Danny yeah, some amazing play. cameos. Too. Like, like, not just character cameos, but actors. How, I was going to ask, how did you guys feel about Crosshair's story in the finale? Mm. In the finale? Because he had a really interesting... Yeah, it's revealed at a certain point that Crosshair had his chip removed. Is oh. that true, by the way? Or was he bluffing? I don't really know. We don't. I think it's supposed to be ambiguous. Yeah. But if it's true, then that means he would have been acting... He's making the choice to be a war criminal. It was on volition. Yeah. And uh, I really liked that he didn't join them again. Because part of me is like, I really just want him to come back. But I feel like if he did, that would sort of be the end of the show. Or like, Mm -hmm. you know, the journey of Crosshair rejoining the Bad Batch is sort of, I think, the overarching hook. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up because I'm really glad they didn't redeem him. Not just for the sake of like keeping the show going. But I don't think he's really earned it yet. He has been shown to be like a war criminal. He killed mm-hmm. women and children oh, yeah, and did some like he slaughtered uns- them like animals. Not only would it not have been earned, it would have been a little bit unsettling if he did just turn back. I think there kind of has to be a precedent set that like he really has to show that he's changed. Not only thinking about like what would make a good character arc, but like, what are you showing to your children? You know, if kids are watching this show, like he can't just go and kill kids and then join the squad again, you know? Yeah. So he's either got to die or he has to have a really, really serious repenting, you know, atonement. Yeah, I, I sort of agree with you on that. But also like when you look at Kylo Ren and what they did just recently in the Disney Star Wars universe, they redeemed his character, although they did kill him in the end. But he was redeemed and he was a bad dude. So he killed a bunch of people as well. I know. That was a tough one too. Women and children. I, mean, yeah. I didn't necessarily agree with that. You yeah. Know? I mean, forgiveness and redemption is something that uh isn't a popular story in our culture these days and and i i really like those stories a lot because Mm -hmm. and i love that the bad batch essentially left the door open for him to rejoin they're like you're still our brother yeah you're welcome here if if you ever want to be a part of it again yeah and i think that's a noble thing on there and that's not necessarily like an oversight of his murders you know that's like they have the capacity to forgive yeah and understand yeah and i like that aspect I think you just have to demonstrate first that Crosshair has the capacity to atone, you know? Yeah, it's a good show. Yeah, just very dependably good. It was just really fun having... The best part about it is that, like, I had a Star Wars show to look forward to for 16 weeks. 16 weeks. I know last week or the week before, it didn't come on. I was like, oh, it's... Because I've been doing it, like, habitually for 16 weeks. Yeah, it was just really, really nice to have that consistency and just to have, like, it's right in the sweet spot of, like, you know, flawed adventure, you know, and that's exactly what I want from this kind of thing at this point in my life, you know, (laughs) and especially having it be these, like, kind of short, digestible episodes. It's just, it's a really nice, like, weekly commitment. Yeah. And I'm very excited for it to come back. That's cool that it is weekly. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that disney has been the leader of being like the model of how to release shows again because that's how it was in broadcast television for so long yeah i mean if you watch a good show i would like to remember that summer in my life when i was watching the bad batch you know not the and was really excited about star wars not necessarily the three days (laughs) yeah yeah the weekend totally totally 
Makes it a bit good. more. We should write a, a, No, no, I <laughs> I am totally for weekly. I know you water are. cooler conversations. I'm just giving you a hard time because you just binged all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the show that we're talking. I'm, about. I'm the bad guy. <laughs> but yeah, this was great. It was it was it had the tone of the original series with the world building of the prequel trilogy, which mm-hmm. is the best of both worlds. I think. Yeah, for sure. That's a good point. And I think that's what Filoni understands. Is not only what everybody wants from Star Wars, but it is the best way to deliver that medium, yep. that, tell that story. Is the next thing we get Book of Boba? Visions for Star Wars. Oh, yes. Visions. Oh, the anime Visions. series. I'm so excited for that. Honestly, Visions it looks, looks sweet. Awesome. Yeah. I want six animes based off of each of the episodes because they look so cool. Mm-hmm. This has been a review episode by the three people here. And here's... The anthem credit score is so hype. Well, it's, it's like the Bad Batch theme. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Bad Batch theme. For sure. So here's the theme from The Bad Batch. <laughs>